somewhere in the programming department at Vanillaware. All right. It only took me six years, but I've programmed the most awesome adventure game. Oh, wow. It's pretty. And look at all the characters. Thank you. Hey, uh, what are you working on? Oh, just some strategy game with robots and kaiju. Oh, cool. I like the minimalist radar look you have. Thank you. Hey, uh, we better hurry if we want to show these off to the boss. Yeah, let me just grab a USB drive and... Careful, you're gonna... Whoa! Oh no, are you okay? Yeah, it just fell as I was transferring our game. Uh, oh no. What? What is it? I spilled my adventure game on your strategy game. Uh, oh, oh no, and I think I, I think you got my, my strategy game all over your adventure game. What are we gonna do? We've gotta present this to the boss in like five minutes. Quick, go grab some tape. We'll just step both of them together and no one will know, notice the difference. Yes, that's it. No one will notice. And and that's how 13 Sentinels came to be. Um, Cal, I, I'm really no expert in this, but I really don't think that's how programming a game works. Well, I mean, sure, but how else would you explain why they feel like two different games duct taped together? Uh, you sort of got a point there. Now let me tell you, here's my theory about how the Neptunia games were made. You see, it starts out with a room full of monkeys on typewriters. In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to backlog prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-Team of RPG Backtrack. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly news show, Q&A Quest, your weekly feedback show, and we're your bi-weekly nostalgia show. I'm your host, Kelly Ryan, and a yakisoba to my noodles, my podcast partner in crime, Mr. Matt Basim. Woohoo! Just dodging big robots named Ian here in Florida this week. It's <laughs> fine. It's all good. Uh, would it be a robot or a kaiju? Uh, yeah, that's hard to say, man. A, a little Anything they can punch. Oh, well, I, I'm glad you're safe. I was I was worried about all of our Floridian uh, RP gamers because you guys had a beat up a couple of days ago, and that was neat seeing the three of you together. But yeah. Pascal and, Ro- and Ryan slash Scar isn't on. We do have Ryan McCarthy, however. I am I am BJ. You know, I thought that the I forgot that the name was BJ and not BT, and that was going to be a a potential title. B- so, B- BT phone so, home. Well, yeah, for some reason I I remember that. Uh, but then thought no, BJ phone home has too much implications. I shouldn't <laughs> use that. And j- joining <laughs> us for the second time. Uh, we had him on for Nino Cooney, and it's been a while, probably because of streaming schedules and all that. But now we've got John Jensen. Yes. Um, and it turns out after playing 13 Sentinels that our parents were right. Video games are actually trying to kill us all. So I'm <laughs> glad that 13 Sentinels was able to settle that and tell us that, yes, your parents were, in fact. Hey, uh, I, I've had... Uh, 
18 hour video game benders before. So oh, yes. I can't do that shit anymore. No, I did it. The last time I did it was for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I hate binged that game. I did not like it. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to do it. I'm going to finish this game. So I hate one. binged it. Uh, are you really? Yeah, I'm like I'm like 50 plus hours in. See, I, I got there and I was I was so in, involved in it. And I was trying to just like, you know, I'm so many hours into it. I'm just going to beat it. And by the final like 10 to 15 hours, I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to try and binge beat this. I can't do it. So I went literally to my brothers who was in the middle of nowhere and we just played video games for two days straight. And I sat down literally for 12 hours straight playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and finally beat it. And glad I never have to pick it up again. <laughs> Mainly because I just stink at it. I, it's a good game. I, I I will say that. It's a good game. I just stink at it. It's terrible. it the, the mechanics are, uh, they're, they're, there's too much of it. Yep. Yeah, Typical. just a little bit. Um, like, luckily, the game we're talking about tonight is a little bit more simple. Well, as far as the mechanics, not so much the story. Uh, but like Xenoblade, it does have giant robots. It is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim from VanillaWare. I, I have been chomping at the bit to talk about this ever since I played it two years ago. Mm. Um, if if a, another little game called Final Fantasy VII Remake wouldn't have come out that year, this would have been my game of the year. But... Kind of had to give it to Final Fantasy VII because, you know, nostalgia and I'm a basic bitch. <laughs> but that, you know that's what's crazy about this and i guess part of talking about 13 sentinels is like how crazy it was that this was a word of mouth game this yeah. wasn't it didn't have the promotion that a final fantasy did promotion that some of the other rpgs had you know when this came out but it was a word of mouth i was seeing youtube videos about it i was seeing tweets about it everybody was like you have to play this game trust me this is so good and if it wasn't for that curiosity i don't know if i ever would have picked up a game like 13 Sentinels and I'm very glad I did and it kind of proves that still word of mouth is still the best way to figure out about video games it's amazing mm -hmm. yeah not, not to mention being a huge vanillaware fan kind of helps for me um, we'll, we'll get into the development hell this game went through and some other stuff when we start the show proper but three disclaimers um, this game is impossible to talk about without spoiling stuff like literally everything about it is a spoiler. So, I mean, it's it's par for the course that we spoil stuff on Backtrack, obviously. But if you don't want to hear anything, turn this podcast off, go play 13 Sentinels, and then come back. Um, second disclaimer, I'm going to butcher and confuse every single freaking name in this game. <laughs> uh, <th> <laughs> I have a hard time with Japanese names anyway, um, pronouncing them, and I get characters confused really easily. So bear with me. If I, if I say something and you're yelling at your podcast catcher, I'm probably aware of it, and I'm sorry in advance. And then third, the third little caveat is that... <laughs> Going back to the first bit, this game is crazy as far as the story goes. <laughs> there is so much stuff going on. Um, I, I watched a video just kind of because I always watch a YouTube video to kind of refresh my memory on the, these games. And it had everything in chronological order, and I still had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> I watched those same videos. Nope. Yeah. I was lost within the first two minutes of the first part. I was like, wait. Yeah. What, well, before, what's happening? Before the game proper even starts. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. That prologue is. The prologue is very disorienting. Mm-hmm. And and you don't find out all about all that stuff in the end is the crazy part. 
So um, it's, it's going to be a fun show, but it's going to be kind of a crazy one, kind of like when I tried to drunkenly explain Chrono Cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. You can't wait to sit and hear this one then. Yeah. I yeah. think one of the, the more confusing things for me, and as I played through the game, it wasn't because you hear the name said all the time. So I was, mm-hmm. I knew the names and like it was, they were easy to pronounce because, you, you know, hearing them over and over again, but it was putting the names to a face because yep. there are so many characters to this. And it's, that's what makes it so impressive. And that's what makes this such a high barrier of entry to it because. Because yep. you have to memorize so much. And yes, they do a great job of giving you, uh, I forget what section of that game is called, but I think it's like analysis or something. And you can yeah, see the characters, yeah. Yeah, it's but like a, it is hard. It's like a database thing. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, the database and they attempt to put everything in a chronological order. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, particularly with those branching paths is what I'm thinking of. But anyway, um, we're going to take a quick musical interlude. And when we come back, we're just going to dive in. So stick around. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we're talking about 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, released originally in Japan on November 28th, 2019. It came to the U.S. and other countries' uh, worldwide release on September 22nd, 2020, and then the Switch version just released this year on April 12th, 2022. And I forgot what a hellish development cycle this game had. Um, it, it's it was pitched in 2013 and then began production in 2015. Um, took around three years to kind of get going, and then they dumped the Vita release. So I'm like, wait, there was going to be a Vita release for this? Oh darn! That that I, I guess the poor Vita was dead in the water at that point. So I'm I'm not I, surprised. I I kind of wonder if it if it would even run well on Vita though because. Yeah, it would have the same like visual because I I think even though it's a minimalist visual, it's not anything crazy. Uh, it still looked great on PlayStation, and I was even concerned. I, I I haven't checked out reviews for the Switch port. Um, I it's out right on Switch. I think it's out on Switch now. Yeah, um, but I haven't seen reviews on that yet, or I I didn't even check. I think we have might have one out. Uh, but I I was actually curious if it would even run well on Switch. You know, because some of those games are really hard to port over there. So mm-hmm. this game to me feels. Perfect on handheld, and Vita might have been a good spot, but I, I agree with Ryan. I just I don't know how the performance would have been because, you know, it, with a game like that, I, I think performance is essential, especially well, when like visually, that's all you're seeing is just this kind of visual novel almost style or uh, two well, yeah. D scrolling. Stuff. It's not. It's not even like the the adventure game part. It's it's the it's actually the strategy game part because even like on base PS4, there's definitely some slowdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um. I, I just I had played Odin Sphere by um, doing the transfer the save file thing, so that I would play it in the car and then get home and play it on the big TV, and that that was kind of nice to play it like that. And it would have been nice to play this like that too, except you're probably right. Um, it probably would have ran ran like crap, and plus trying to you know watch visual novel scenes in the car wouldn't have been ideal. So I, I understand. 
Um, and yeah, the, the it also had a hard time coming out here because the pandemic caused the localization to get delayed. So <laughs> we were talking about cursed backtracks. It was when when this finally got announced for a Western release, I was like, oh, I completely forgot that was in development. I can't wait. And then I bought it, and it was amazing. Yeah, and the thing and the thing about the localization, I think. If I, I could be remembering wrong, but didn't like didn't like the dub actors have to actually like record their lines like in their house or something? I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but it wouldn't have surprised me. A lot of uh, voice actors had to set set up their own private studios in their closets and whatnot um, because of the pandemic. Uh, luckily, thanks to the internet, it's easy to do that kind of stuff now. Yeah, and that was one thing that I. I thought they nailed it on. It's um I thought it, it sounded great, the voice acting. Uh, the mm-hmm. the audio quality was awesome. The voice actors themselves. This game doesn't work unless the voice actors are good. Yeah. You know, this is this is mainly a storytelling game and uh it needed voice acting. And I thought, you know, I don't I don't know how it was done, but all I know is the res- the end result was fantastic because I thought it all sounded fantastic, the audio quality. Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually, I actually wrote the, for the I actually wrote for the RP Gamer Award a blurb for the voice acting for this game. Oh, cool! Yeah, I can't remember if I had to write a blurb for Game of the Year or not, or our awards or not for this one. I'd have to go back and check. Yeah, um, th- this one would be uh, certainly a top candidate for that that year. I mean that that voice cast did an absolutely outstanding job. All, all the way around every single character. I can't think of one character that felt out of place or voice acting not good. Everything was great. I mean, that comes with a, a good script, but I mean, they, it just sounded good as well. Uh, I was really impressed. And and just minorly getting into the gameplay stuff, you know, I, I picked up right away that this was very, the visual novel portion was very much an adventure game via Monkey Island and whatnot. And I love that instead of items, you got keywords that you wouldn't ask people about, and it showed the little thought balloon. Um, mm-hmm. Just such a clever little UI th- thing that you don't think about, but just was so cool. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it added, I, I did think it added something to that adventure game part, too. Of like, it, it made you kind of stay engaged with what's happening because it would be very easy just to go and you know click x on the next character you have to talk to him mm. this but mm-hmm. you know to to have to physically bring up the talking point and you know hey you you are supposed to ask this person about this um it just it made it feel more engaged and like helped me at least in my mind help me kind of remember what was going on and, and stay involved in the story because if mm. i'm not involved in it i'm just reading it then i, I think I, I may have lost i think some of the interaction and, and how many people could be engaged with the story so i thought it was a very nice touch the way they added that yeah i was pretty glued to the story from the start um now we haven't done this in a while on backtrack um because of the new format but i since it's such a character driven game i actually want to bring back the let's go over all the characters um (laughs) This will be the entire podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, here we go, three hours. Let's go. Well, I I tried to do just a little blurb, and then some of them were a little bit more involved. So, uh, <laughs> as I was starting, Ninji Ogata, the high school punk with a heart of gold, uh, your typical leather jacket pompadour type character, and yeah, he's a badass, but he also wants to do the right thing. Uh, we've got, and if you and let me know if you guys want to read off some of these too. Uh, we've got Aiseki Gahara, the stoic man with amnesia. Um, I, I barely remember any of his story. I guess you guys don't have any thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah I, 
uh, he sure exists. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, we're getting into the more interesting characters. I just pulled these like right from the order from the wiki. Um, Takatoshi Hijiyama, the Japanese sword soldier who started in the 40s and got displaced. And he is interesting because he's the Yakisoba pan, pan addict. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I uh, knew immediately once I yeah, saw how many that- times he talked about it, that was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, f- fun fact: Atlas put out actual recipes with that stuff, and I have yet to try the pan. pan. I've been meaning to try. I actually looked this up too. I looked up yakisoba pan because they made it. All video games do it, but even like mm-hmm. just a small, you know, th- this game's not visually that impressive. You know, it's not like the the greatest looking game you'll ever see. But that yakisoba pan, every time I saw it, I, was like, I want to try that. Right. Go ahead. Wait, who? Sorry, so, was someone talking? Yeah. Yeah, we were talking. You, it just got quiet, so I didn't know if you had a um, something you wanted to say. Uh, uh, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, the little artworks for all the, the little things in the game was also pretty good, and, and made that food that the game talked about look so tasty. It was great. Um, we've got Jiro Karabi, who I would argue is kind of the main male character. Um, a lot of the stuff focuses around him. He's a young high school student who's just trying to live a normal life in the 80s and likes campy sci-fi movies. I've, I thought in my head, Kenan, he would be a good uh, MST3K fan. Um, but a lot of the plot kind of centers around him and who people think he is. Um, yeah, his his whole arc, too, because he, he gets involved with, obviously, he thinks he's Juro Izumi. And that that plot line and how it all played out uh, was very well done. So he definitely reminds me of the, uh, right, he, he is the lead character. But I think what also was really cool with him too is there is definitely influences on, on kind of uh, storytelling ways. And I think there's a lot of Western uh, storytelling that and, and movies that was very influential to, I guess, what 13 Sentinels is trying to do. And that very much played out through Karabe. He was the 80s yeah. movie, like Kaiju and all that stuff. So that that was a really nice touch for me. And um, that that's certainly one of the, the more you know, noticeable things that sticks out about his character is they definitely play that kind of 80s monster movie kind of stuff onto him. And um, it's cool to see those influences kind of played out throughout mm-hmm. this story. Oh, when we get to the proper st- kind of brief summary of the plot, uh, I'll, I'm going to go into what movies reminded this game reminded me of. Um, but then, who else we've got? We've got Ryoko Shinonome, who is an aloof agent um, who's desperate to prove her worth to her unrequited love and mentor, Tetsuya Aida. But um, she's got traumatic brain damage and has a bandage on her head and is dependent on this medicine that helps her basically get rid of the brain fog and i found her story bits to be to be the most annoying because you basically had a time limit to how many pills you could take um before she'd end up back in the nurse's office it was very much uh go go okay i'll go here i'll talk to this person oh i gotta use a pill okay i changed screens what i gotta use i just used a pill yeah one of the one of i think the clear flaws of this game is that um because it's it's so good it's worth you know everything every flaw with this game it's worth 
seeking out to the end because the story is just so good. And I even think the the strategy elements are great to it. But that was the most frustrating part because it is sometimes hard to figure out what to do next or, yeah. you know, what, what prompt to bring up, what command to bring up. And hers was extremely frustrating. And I remember I, it's, it's funny that you say it too. And I think that's just a, you know, something that everybody kind of had to go through with this one is it was really frustrating to figure that out because it was a time limit and it sucked to go through. Um, it, it was one of two points in the game where I had to look something up and hope that somebody got to that point because you know playing a brand new game has anybody figured any of this out yet and actually going to put it on game facts <laughs> <laughs> i had to look up videos for some of them and see how people are actually like doing it you know because oh, wow. I, I did look up like guides but i just had to see it visually it's like what am i missing where am i not going um yeah sometimes it, it was it was hard to tell what to do next um when doing the adventure parts of it. and then we've got iori <laughs> Fuyusaka, Fuyusaka, um, who I think is technically the main female character of the game because a lot of the promo material centered around her, and she's the first girl that you see when you boot up the game. Um, an ordinary high school girl with dreams and crushes and a sweet tooth who finds herself at the center of a massive conspiracy. And yeah, um, she was the girl with the pigtails, but the fluffy pigtails. Um, Tomi Kisaragi is the girl with the braided pigtails. Um, who she's flippant and sly and likes to hang out with her pals, but also seems to know more than she's letting on. Um, a lot of these descriptions were a little bit vague, I imagine, on purpose. Um, I imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got Natsuno Miyami, who was the track girl, um, who defends defends the robot BJ, whose story is straight out of ET. Um, they even yep. have like a faux et box art because she brings up that movie <laughs> mm, it it is so much fun hers was more fun than anything like the other ones it was cool to see how it unravel like karabe to see how that whole you know the connection with izumi and then fuyasaka as well um and kind of her connection with uh chihiro morimura and all that and to see all that play out was really cool but hers was just straight up that was a fun time it was obviously a clear connection to et which worked as well but uh and it was just a fun character too she she definitely was the kind of more upbeat character and um mm. kind of you know adventure character and it played off so well because every time i i had a chance to do a natsuno one uh, story I love doing it every single time. Yeah, she was yeah. definitely one of the characters I, I liked more than others. Um, mm. We've got Kitaro Miura. Miura. <laughs> like I said, this is why I did the disclaimer. Um, a young soldier from 1945 who um, was fiercely dedicated to, to defending his country and would lay down his life if it meant saving a single soul. Also, my side note, he loves hamburger steak. Um <laughs> The second recipe that came up that I actually made, and it was pretty good. It, it's pretty much kind of the same recipe as meatloaf. You just kind of make it into a patty instead of putting it Love in a pan. Huh? Yeah. Um, so that's him. We've got Shu Abaguchi, who is a laid-back 80s high school playboy. Um, is very popular with the students and um, kind of rich and has has a motorcycle. And I particularly dug his apartment um, that you go to a lot. Um, you see a lot of it talks about a lot of his games. Um, you've got Shu Amaguchi. Oh, wait, I already said that name. My bad. Um, Yuki Tamiyaka, who is a um, reluctant 
or rather is a surly delinquent girl who um, get, gets caught by the cops at the beginning and um, has to infiltrate the school as a spy to save her best friend, who is Natsuno, uh, the girl who befriended the robot BJ. Yeah, her um, interactions were always fun with uh, with Ogata and stuff because you you mentioned him, you know, the high school punk and all that, and she was she was like a gang leader, and so it was always fun. Like yeah. anybody that crossed her, she was just willing to beat up on the spot, and she was a really fun character to see. That yeah, I, I liked yeah. her too. She's great. Um, th- this was the character I wanted to play as about the most, not because of her, but because of who she befriends, uh, Megumi y- Yaku Yaku. Yaku Shiji. Um, she was the shy, composed girl of few words, um, who's devoted to her beloved Juro, but has also lost all memory of her past relationship, and she makes a deal with a tuxedo cat named Fluffy to get back her memories. <laughs> and then the last character, who um, his story kind of ties everything together, um, you unlock, is Rinya Gelto. Um, he's pretty much is the man in black. Um, cut is hovering over everything in the game. Um, you think he's a villain at first, but he's really not, and it is kind of the stoic character of the thirteen. Um, that that's all the thirteen you play as, and then just t- two other characters that are important: um, Fluffy, the talking black cat who befriends Megumi and promises to give back her memories of Juro by, and she's saying that, or he wants her her to shoot all of the quote-unquote witches with the special gun um getting into the spoilers it turns out that the the gun that she's shooting everybody with is the nano machines that let them run the sentinels yeah and that was that was one of the better twists too figuring that out and also Mm -hmm. just because it was what is this cat's game the entire time like what is this cat trying to do because he felt like, because he was always condescending, he was always giving her crap and always calling her a moron. I was like, I I love cats and he's adorable. This cat kind of seems like a bleep hole, though. You know, I don't yeah. I don't know if I like this cat. I don't know if this cat's intentions are good. This cat seems deceiving, and no. you know, at times I was like, this cat maybe is because. Uh, she, he, the cat also made made a deal with her, and in return, he would make Juro remember that she, he was in love with her, and like try and unlock that memory of of Juro. I think it was Izumi, uh, not Karabi, Izumi, to fall back in love with her, and so mm-hmm. he was like willing to give her that, and you know, giving her that too, and being like, you know what, he's not going to remember. You know, there was just so many things of this cat was all over the place, and I think was one of the better parts of the story too, is seeing that all play out. Because because I had no idea what that cat's game was. And at every turn, I was either like, oh, okay, I get it now. Or at the next turnaround, I would be like, yeah, I don't get it. Where is he trying to go? What is he trying to do here? It was oh, awesome for, I that, was, for that to keep happening. I was convinced the whole time that he was going to be like the villain of the whole plot I, or something. I thought so too. I thought so too. He was talking about different dimensions and like that's where the dimos are coming from. It was been bananas what that cat was trying to say and like he was the the cat was really the one fluffy was the one trying to play up this like very it's a demented like trying to play up what the story may have been you know it's different dimensions and the dimos and all that like it was really playing into this big grand story like that because now everything has to be you know multiverses and different dimensions and so the cat was doing that so that i think also played a part in what actually happened even having to me a bigger impact because it just felt like okay well the cat's kind of telling us you know what's here what's that and yeah 
it, it, in a way it was like a different dimension but completely different than i think what what was being alluded to there and and certainly i think had a, a help in is how big of an impact i think the end was and how crazy it ended up being yeah um and, and my, my side note that i wrote down is that I think he was an AI, if I remember correctly, that took the form of the school's actual cat, um, Shintaro. Because um, yep. so, it was funny, because sometimes you saw the cat and you talked to him and he wouldn't say a word to you, and Megumi would get pissed. And it, it realized it was because, well, no, that was the actual cat. And then um, Yakisoba Pants guy, um, EA, his whole story was about trying to get changed to by Yakisoba Pan, and he heard a rumor that the cat around the area um, can find ch- loose change. So you're going around trying to find a can of tuna so that you can get loose change so that you can move the story on. And that was the second time I had to look up what, what to do because that was also very confusing. Uh, but it's just I Fluffy is the secret best character. That that's yeah, me. really was. I, I thought so too. Fluffy, Fluffy to me was definitely the 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 nice gem of this whole story and um i yeah i i love fluffy what a but, great character but then we've only talked twice john so i that's me being biased because i love cats and especially <laughs> little tuxedo cats because i have a little tuxedo who little cats small. that are giving you guns to kill witches i love those kind of cats I, if alice guy. if alice could give me a gun she would she is a crazy <laughs> little cat and then there, there's other side characters. I'm not going to get into them all. We're going to be here all night. But the other important character is uh, BJ, the robot, who is also kind of a central point of the entire story. Um, it, it helps uh, Minami to find her memory as well as or no, it helps Minami for helping find a memory cell as well as one of the lost sentinels. Um Kind of has R two D two thing going with with stuff hidden within his files and all that. Um, also a great character. I'm surprised they haven't made little action figures of him. Would love it. Um, Would love that. Definitely. So, uh, also like a very R two D two in the in the mannerisms. Um, and, and kind of the personality because it definitely was an ET story that it was telling, but to me, it, it reminded me of, of R2D2 and, and the mannerisms and be, being very bold and kind of like being told what to do and never doing it, you know, just mm-hmm. doing ex- what it needed to do. So it reminded me of those mannerisms and uh, I loved it. So I, yeah, BJ to me was, was a good character. Yeah. So, so that's all the characters kind of in a nutshell. Um, just going into the gameplay. So you've got two different sections in this game. You've got the RTS section and you've got the adventure section. It's called destruction mode and remembrance mode. You cannot play either mode straight through. You have to play advent- the uh, adventure game mode up to a certain point, and then it makes you say you can't watch this character story until you clear back whatever, whatever of the destruction mode. So it, I, I will admit one of my complaints about this game is that I wish they would have blended this a little bit better, better. but at the same time, I do appreciate that um, they make you play both no matter what. Um, I don't know. It would have been nice to just ha- have the battles actually show up more naturally within the gameplay itself. In a yeah, way, I, I I liked that it was separate. I did. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. Um, because because Anna, my other podcast co-host, um, she she said that she would just kind of jump around all over the place versus me, where I would play 
each character as much as I possibly could. And then once I had no other options, then I would go into the RTS mode and play that mm. and just kind of swap back and forth there. And that's probably why the, the story might have confused me a little bit more because I don't think you're supposed to do it like that. I think you're supposed to like uh, keep keep jumping in and out. Uh, I th- I feel like there were. I think there were. I think they were kind of. I think they wanted you to be a little flexible. I think they want. Um, sorry. They, yeah, I think they were. I think they were trying to let you be flexible and how you do it. Yeah, I think so. And what what helped out for me because it was so flexible too is I feel like you have to be in two different moods to play the story part and the the real-time strategy part because i felt mm-hmm. like when i didn't have as much time i could just sit down and knock out something for 20 minutes i actually felt like that real-time strategy part, like that was when i really enjoyed it i could just get it done with real quick because the story you have to pay attention to everything oh yeah and so if i if i wasn't in the mood to just pay attention to it i it was nice that i could just go to the to the the battle parts play that out because they were actually fun and i know we'll dive deeper into the actual mechanics of it but mm-hmm. you know this really fun real-time strategy game and play that part of it get some story elements but nothing i have to be so focused on and when i'm really settled in and i know i have some time and i can do the story i can carve out time for that and play it but i did like how it was as ryan said i, I agree it's just how, how flexible it felt and that was also impressive too and i felt like they were going to lock you out of characters more but it felt like you can go through a large part of these character stories without them locking it so if i wanted to continue diving into a character i could do it and eventually they would lock me out but it didn't happen as often as i would thought when you're trying to piece together a 13 character story and you're getting 13 different views of point uh, point of view so I, I thought it was really impressive in that. And the flexibility of this game, I think, makes it, it's, it's what makes it playable. You know, it, it's funny. You bring up a very valid point because I'm playing through y- one of the Yakuza's right now. And there there are times when I, I jump into a story point and I'm sitting there for like an hour and haven't touched my controller because I'm watching cutscenes. <laughs> and you're you're right. You know, being able to jump into just a 20-minute kaiju battle would be kind of nice. Yeah, so, it is. But I think Yakuza does a good job too of giving you like stupid mini games to play that are always mm-hmm. fun. So like that's a it's a quick thing. Like, hey, let me knock out some of these mini games and stuff like that. You know, I I like games. I because I thought and I I always point this as reference because I thought Tales of Arise was very intuitive in how you could do things and you know do story parts and quests and um it was very flexible you know if i just wanted to knock out some quests i could do it at any point you know or if i wanted to do story parts i could do it at any point i wouldn't miss any of the quests you know you could you wouldn't be able to miss anything so like Mm -hmm. if doing the story parts i wouldn't miss something that's going on in a battle because they're all separate and they're all giving you different versions of the story and then it all pieces together at the end so you know i never feel like i was missing anything feel like i was you know i i should have been doing something else it was flexible in that if i just wanted to do one thing or the other i could do it no issues you know uh, would be faced there and yeah. i like that yeah I, I think even depending on uh, what order you did things in you'd find out like i think you'd counter certain twists at different times mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's the thing like you everybody i think sees this story in a different way you definitely played it in a way that you found out things that i didn't know but i knew things that you didn't at certain points it that is so cool to me that you can you can you know go through this story and see story moments at your own way and do it in the way you want to and the characters that you want to see first and so that makes it to me like kind of it's a nice personal touch of like hey this is how i saw the story play out differently than you did so it's mm-hmm. it's so cool to see that happen and all the different twists 
uh, that people get to see at different times. So Ryan, I absolutely agree with you. That is one of the, the bigger, I think, selling points to me is, hey, you can experience this story and we'll know all the same things you know, by the end of it, but you will experience that story a lot differently than I do. And that mm. is so cool to know that everybody can experience it differently. Yeah, and, and that's like, how, like, how, like, there's like, yeah, like it's the thing with, that people say about this game is that like, it's like, oh, you, this is like a story that can only be told this way in, in the game. And like, even though it's yeah it's okay uh, uh yeah i'm I'm stumbling sorry no it's, it's okay just slow down and gather your thoughts and try to say it again we can always edit it out yeah like what what people say about like how this how like this the game tells its story in a way that only uh, yeah like i think that's like one of the interesting things about this game is that like it's a, it's a, it's very, it very much tells its story in a way that like could only be done like this yep. like, in a very yeah. like nonlinear fashion. Yeah. Not yeah. The fact that it is nonlinear is the best um, because it, it's jumping around so many different parts because yeah. you have what five different, I forget how many time periods, but you have like yeah. five or it, six different time periods. Think, so yeah, you're right. Like it, yeah. if it's nonlinear. At least you can see chunks of it and then piece it together on your own. Well, we've we've all watched confusing time travel movies and so played, many. Oh. Yeah, mm. or multiverse you know, is a thing now, and every yeah. you know everything's multiverse, and so it gets yeah, it gets confusing. But yeah, I think Ryan's right in that the nonlinear part. You know, it it could the only way you can see this story is by different viewpoints and and going one by one on that and, and the way you want it too, which is great mm. because if you tried to give me a linear story and they're bouncing around from different time periods in a story like this, it gets confusing really quickly. At least you can, it's, it's almost like you're getting little different chapters um, mm. that you can just kind of standalone chapters on their own. And then again, you can kind of like piece the puzzle together of what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think that every, every story is kind of like a self-contained one that all just kind of ties together. It makes it, makes it a lot more digestible and easier to kind of pick things up of like, Oh yeah, I remember this character went through that sort of similar here because then I don't have to be like, okay, what time period are we in? You know, what characters do I have to be paying attention to? Uh, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's done in the best way possible. And I, I I love that you have starting out the game. You have a kind of a very narrow view of what's going on, and then as you as you start playing and you piece together all these things and see the bigger picture, and you know it, it's just like a jigsaw puzzle coming together. But you don't you don't look at the box to see what it looks like first. So you, when you make the connection of something, it's like, oh my god, that's why it's like that. Like but the example I was going to use was. I played, which character was it? It's Pigtail Girl, Tomy. I played Tomy's story and went into the bathroom and it looked like a bomb went off. Yep. And it was like, what the hell happened in this bathroom? And then in another girl's story, I, I want to say it was Natsuma's, but I could be mistaken. You find out what happened that there was an android that just lit the damn bathroom on fire with laser, with eye lasers. And it was like, oh, that's why the bathroom was all fucked up. And the game was full of moments like that where you'll oh, see like yeah. something something happened and then what what caused that to happen? And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 And also um, they, I think they did a 
awesome job too of everything was kind of under wraps you know they 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 would give you enough that you would keep going and i think just you know enough character moments as well that were very engaging i would i'm willing to continue to play the story because i love the character interactions and what's going on and on the surface all this stuff but you know obviously the big overarching question is like what the hell is happening here like why are the kaju and all that and the fact that they were able to to hold most of that close to the best enough to where the end just felt like so many aha moments i get it i mean the end was awesome that you can do it almost like the every single character finale was a aha moment oh my gosh i understand what they're trying to do what they're getting at and and to be able to have you know so many of those not just one or two but so many of those moments where they reveal something and it's like i get what they're doing here that is amazing to be able to keep the story like that for so long because this is what like a 30 40 hour game mm-hmm. and yeah. be able to keep most of that under wraps for so long and then hit you with it one after another it made the ending so satisfying and probably why everybody will look past a lot of flaws once they get to the end of it because they go that whatever i may not have liked about this game or whatever may have been frustrating it's all worth it because they just give you so many of those satisfying moments one after another so like that it, it's awesome to see that with almost every single character you have those moments so yeah it, it was that it's, that's the fun part of, of piecing it, this story together what makes this story to, to me a lot of fun to play through sorry i was writing something down but i i think it was one of the best stories of a game i i had ever i i had played in a while um because i i'm normally not a visual novel fan um, and, and not for any particular reason. I just they don't really gel with me. And this story they have kept... an anime adaptation. I'm not. I'm not a big visual novel person. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um. I mean, uh, go ahead. I, I, I should. I should probably play more visual novels. It's just that yeah. a lot of the ones, ones my friends fawn over are like are pre- are pretty much time commitments, and I, and it's just so hard. Yeah. It is. And I don't oh. even know where to begin to with sometimes with visual novels, you know, <laughs> like what's what yeah. should I try? Because it's, it is such a very like its own thing, you know? And so I, this game, I will admit though, after this game, I, I know it's not technically a visual novel. It's like an adventure kind of side scrolling. Yeah. But very yeah. in the way it tells its story, visual novel. Mm-hmm. And I will admit, I started to look into it. it was like, I want to actually, because I, I love the fate series, uh, like fate zero and uh, fate Stay night, all visual novels where they started. So like dad started to like ring the bells like maybe I should start trying visual novels because I loved whatever that was and I want to try more of that. And so I I think that did, which is awesome that they can bring together. And I know our skit, it's like you kind of just spilled these two kind of things together and said, let's just do that. Let's just put it together and see if it works. And uh, the combo together was fantastic. Yeah, I think like, yeah, like. The way you'd ha- would like have like you'd move your character around. There's definitely like a very uh, like textile element to it. Mm-hmm. And it got, I mean, you got the classic of the vanillaware visuals and oh, God. every. God, the, it's looks so good. I, yeah. I mean, I thought Odin Sphere looked pretty good for vanillaware, and they took the visuals with this and just cranked it up to the. Uh, God, God, um, yeah. The, the, the different layers is that you can definitely tell it's a vanillaware game. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. by, just by the, the style of it. But, you know, that I think um, w- one of the hard things they had to do too was make sure because this, it is not a very detailed art style, like backgrounds are and all that stuff. You know, it's, it looks great, but like character models in general aren't, there's not a lot of detail to them. So they have to come up with very distinct features because all of these 
characters are high school students and they all are wearing the same uniform, you know, same thing. And so for them to, to still have distinct looking characters, uh, I thought that was a point that needed that that was something that they needed to have because if they didn't it's a long list of characters and they could have easily all just kind of blurred together and the fact that there were distinct features and they were able to make them kind of look distinct from each other that is that is a tip of the cap well done vanilla where that is obviously i think a team that's just perfected kind of their art style but tip of the cap because that could have got easily confused of what these characters actually look like and you know if they look similar because they're all wearing the same thing and all in the same setting and did a great job of actually making them look distinct. I, I mean, I, I love me some uh, Legend of Heroes, but that is one of my biggest complaints about that series is that the character models all look like generic anime characters and yep. it's hard to tell people apart. Um, th there's a thing in the character design called silhouetting that... I, I'm sure a lot of people know, but it's when you can recognize a character by their silhouette, and this game does right. a fabulous job of it. Yes, and, you could tell by the pose if you were to silhouette the poses because they do the when you click a character and you go in, and they do the the kind of uh, character screen before it transitions into the adventure uh, side scrolling part. Like I could tell a silhouette if I saw Renya Goto, I saw somebody a silhouette with a, a hand in their pocket, you know, standing mm -hmm. kind of straight up, held like I would be able to tell who that was just by a silhouette. Um, so I think I think that's a very good point in silhouetting because um, that that also very distinct in in that and you know again credit to just how many times they were able to show you those character models um, not just through the story but again those those character screens it it just was awesome for them to be able to uh, to make them distinct in the way that they were. And then, you know, getting back to the back backgrounds, I'm, I'm remembering one of the scenes where yeah. it was a busy, busy city street and it was raining and there's uh, characters in the back or just random people in the background just kind of walking back and forth or, you know, walking on the street like they're going to work. And uh, they Vanillaware just took a step up in detail when it came to their backgrounds, because like I said, remembering Odin Sphere, it looked good, but it didn't look that detailed and seeing all those little things going on in the background it's like you, you get no wonder this game took so long because i can't as an artist myself i can't imagine how long something like that would have taken to paint <laughs> yeah yeah that game just that game just just exudes mood no. Yeah, it does. Yes, <laughs> very much. And I think uh, another thing, because I know one of the big complaints is when you know you go through all this adventure stuff, and it's like this big epic story, and it's like a big mech robots that you go in. You know, these sentinels, and they make a big deal about them. But then I think people get disappointed sometimes when you go into the battle, and it's the real time strategy, and all you're seeing is just like a, a figure, and you don't even see a robot. You just see mm -hmm. basically yeah. you go over to this figure, and you see the name of the person and what the robot is, and all of that. You know, what kind of class they are. So it wasn't it wasn't like the real time strategy part. You would see that. I think people get disappointed because like you're telling me there's these big mech robots and I don't get big mech robot fights. But I think what what worked well is that the the robots, the mechs looked amazing when you did the adventure part. Their art on the, the mechs in general, they made them look huge they make them look big and clunky with robots sticking with with rocket launchers and you know mm -hmm. guns sticking out everywhere if it wasn't for that detail on i think that part of it i i 
to me, I think I kind of forgive them for it because at least I have in my mind what these things look like and how big they are and how clunky. I love big clunky robots. So like how just clunky and metallic and just like brutal these things look. So then, you know, as, as long as I get that, then I can at least visualize it. And the, the board part of it for the battle system doesn't bother me because at least they had crunchy sound effects, great laser effects. You know, the audio design does the, I think that portion of it. But yeah, I think that the art the art really needs to get like a a a plus plus here and like a yeah you know, this it it definitely helped the story because if it wasn't for that the mechs don't I think have that kind of big feel to them without it. Well, yeah, I mean, g- getting into the kaiju battle stuff, and I, I pulled up the the um, game of the year awards, and I, I wrote one of the boards for the best graphics. And it, I helped jog my memory because they kind of went for qu- quantity over quality for the um, kaiju battles, and it's it's a good thing because th- there's hundreds of kaiju at, on the screen at some points, <laughs> and right. I don't even yeah. I don't even think the PS5 could handle some of that stuff <laughs> right now. So, so many particle effects and like so many yeah. like things just on the screen at once. But but when you hit one of those particle effects with one of those abilities that has a cone to it, and you see all those damage numbers go flying that is one of the most oh. satisfying things i've ever played God, in a game. yeah yeah especially for somebody that has like a little it's bit of ODD you, like me when you like, just see yeah. like, those little like pixel explosions mm-hmm. yeah it is so great it's like seeing you know I-, I love seeing sometimes on like snapchat like satisfying videos of things being cut in half perfectly and you know that's what it was and i actually would get mad at myself if i couldn't if there was a clunk of robots and i couldn't kill them or dimos uh, but I couldn't kill them in one shot. You know, mm-hmm. I would get so mad at myself because I'm like the, the satisfying feeling of dropping some big weapon on them or whatever special skill and seeing all of these things explode and all the pixel uh, pixel things go, you know, all in the air and then come to you as sort of the currency of the game. Like this, the battle system is I think that's the best way to put it is that it is just satisfying to play. It's great to look at. It's I, I think they did a good job with sort of the UI as well and all the menus. I think it was easy to navigate for me. And I never had a problem with trying to get to a um, one of my characters or be able to get to a skill. But it just was so satisfying to look at. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sitting here thinking about the bat the battle system and how it kind of looks like a radar screen. And um it's like, man, the Delaware, if you made this game just as its own game, but as a kind of a fun little RTS and put it on right. Oculus yeah. or PlayStation VR, and I'm sitting there actually moving the pieces like I'm in a battle or like I'm actually a commander, that would be awesome. There are two different <laughs> there are two different games here. They, it works together and they it works have together. You know, it yeah. connects together. But there are two different games here, and I think they both could have been standalone on their own. Mm-hmm. I think the battle system could have stand on its own. I could see this as like a ten dollar PSN game that it's like a real time strategy with some story elements to it. But you know, it's it's a real time strategy game. You fight robots against these kaiju, and I would have been, I would have played that for hours. You know, knocking out levels with that. I, I think it does have this kind of like smaller game feel to it, but th- it's it's so satisfying to play, and uh, I think a, a great kind of like arcadey uh, game almost. Yes. And look, this this is definitely influenced by a lot of '80s Western stuff and mm-hmm. like '80s stuff in general. So mm-hmm. hey, look, if if they come in with the arcade kind of elements here and and arcade look to it, that also I think fits in very well with with everything else that they were doing. <laughs> And granted, I played it on easy, so I had a little bit of an easier time, but the strategy battles were just so 
oh my god, there's a big kaiju over here, and there's a swarm over here, and I can't get my t- tanky guys to the big kaiju over there. What am I going to do? Oh, I'll just lay down a bunch of turrets and hope that they get it, <laughs> or hope that they can get stuff in time and i like strategy i like it when strategy games make me sweat you know yeah like i don't know if i'm gonna get through this map okay i'm good um so yeah i i like when it makes me sweat but i also like challenges during strategy mm -hmm. games i'm actually reviewing one right now that you'll see on rp gamer at some point i don't know when this will be out but you'll be able to see i'm reviewing a strategy game and i guess people can figure that out by me saying it but i i do like that the challenges that they give you because sometimes you know it's not always going to be the most difficult game and i don't i would say this game is not difficult i felt like i went through this game with ease but it's just the challenges of go through it with this certain character finish this in that this amount of time you know do it without getting a character injured or this much damage you know to be able to have those challenges to complete them this is also a really good game for completionists and I think a good game for those that want to get platinum trophies on PlayStation. Uh-huh. And I think yeah. this, this battle system yeah. does that so well in giving you those challenges to complete. I'm yeah. pretty sure I got the platinum on this one. I'm close. I I, <laughs> I didn't I did, get it. I know. I'm I, did, I didn't get the platinum, but um, I, I think I got most of them. Yeah, because there were a few at the end I, I missed. I forget which ones. But it's, it's easy to go back because I think the replayability of this for me, or at least what made me kind of go through battles over and over again sometimes yeah. is if I miss something. And it, I I, I don't know why, but all of a sudden I just wanted to go back and be like, all right, I'm going to complete it this time and rethink my strategy too. It would rethink the way, yes, I completed it. You know, I got through it and I, I didn't lose, but it made me rethink of how can I do this better? And if that, that to me is, is what, how I like my strategy games, because, you know, if it's, Hey, you can only go this one certain route and this is the way to beat it. And this is how you beat this thing. Then, you know, it loses kind of the, the openness of a real time strategy game. So mm-hmm. I think when it adds challenges and adds things that, you know, to hit those check marks, that to me makes it, that's where I can change my strategy without getting completely frustrated of I'm dying all the time. What am I doing wrong? You know, I can do things different ways, figure it out my way, and then be able to kind of hit that checklist and and continue to, you know, reinvent the way I do things, which is a great way for a strategy game to play out. And hey, if you if you did enjoy the crap out of the strategy game element, they gave you a uh, a bunch of more maps after, or a bunch of more maps, more maps after you finished the game. Um, that's how I ended up get, getting the platinum on it. <laughs> I had a bunch of different. I think I had to max out all of my characters' levels and something else I where I had to hit like a 500 kaiju at once with an attack and got those last two d- during the uh, post-game battle run. And yeah, I-, I want more of the strategy stuff because it's so awesome. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I, I know that's not... The, the one that makes people, I think, want to play this game is the adventure part, is the story, because yeah. everybody talks about the story. But I think what kept me going, even more than just the story, was I enjoyed the heck out of this battle system. I enjoyed every single part of it. It was crunchy. It was satisfying. And there were there were a lot... You could customize it a lot as well. Uh, customize not only the units that you have, uh, but they, they have different classes and there are, there were enough variations of Dimos and, you know, how, you know, how to defeat them and what classes were better for them. It was, it was a, a nice strategy game really just tied into a, an amazing story. So I, I think that, that, that battle part 
really surprised me because I was going into this thinking that I didn't want to play that part. And I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought. Yeah, and I'll admit when I um, saw the screenshots on the back of the box, it's like, God, I don't know if I'm going to like this minimalist style. And I I ended up loving it. Um, I'm sure some some more uh, graphics-focused people might complain about it. But hey, I... You know, it, in a way, it harkened back to the old Atari slash Intellivision days where your brain had to fill in the uh, graphics. And, and I love that. I, I, I do miss that sometimes, in a way, because you got really creative when you had to rep, have representative graphics. And just th- thinking about the blips being giant robots and kaiju. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and again, that's that's a large part of this game is like going back to some of that. I mean, again, there's a lot of like 80s influence and 90s influence to this. As long as there's a reason for it, you know, I artistic vision is more important to me than like something visually impressive. You know, I I like when things can stay within what it's trying to tell, and you know, it's certain themes or a setting, and I think that's that's part of it in that the style works because it. It works with what the rest of the story does and, you know, all the other elements of, you know, 80s and arcades. And uh, as you just said, they go and play with at Shu Amaguchi's apartment and they play video games there. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just that tie in as well. That to me is an artistic vision and an artistic flair that I am every time OK with, even if it's not something big and grand, as long as it ties into something or I think there's a good purpose for it. I will always give that a, a thumbs up. And to me, that is a thumbs up with 13 Sentinel and the way that they pull the battles off visually. Oh, I, I agree. Give me give me something with a unique art style that plays excellent and has an artistic vision over, you know, hyper-realistic schlock any day of the week. Yes, I guess yes. my, my, my nice 3D open world games, you know, give me the same one every single time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I would yeah. try. And that's what I think surprised people a lot. 13 Sentinels is just different and vanilla yeah. has a reputation for that but it's just different. And, and don't get me wrong I, I love my pretty stuff like my olden rings and my final fantasy 7 remakes I trust but, me, I do. <laughs> uh you know th- there's something to be said about style over substance and i love style yeah very yeah, much and, and again it's what makes this such a an awesome story to root for and to see it organically kind of get played because this got a switch port and people played the crap out of this yeah. you know for it's not all the time indie games all the time you know it, there's a million of them and there are so many hidden gems but it's always hard to get people's attention and for this to be the one to get people's attention and for this to one to stand out like i would have never guessed i don't think there's any video game company or producer in the world that would have been like yeah this is the one that's going to catch fire and everybody's going to love this because it's a convoluted crazy sci-fi story that has way too many characters that has way too many things going on in the overall narrative of it the battle system is just a board game that's like pixels all of it just sounds like it would be something that nobody would want to play and yet it caught fire like for this to be the one to do it that just tells me they did everything right you know everything was detailed everything had a purpose and as long as there's a purpose to what you're doing i think people can catch on to that and people caught on to it quickly with 13 sentinel and uh, mm-hmm. it's it certainly i mean it's etched in my brain and i'm sure it's etched in a lot of people's brains that played this you know this is a very memorable type of game see yeah. i i I read was reading when I was doing my pre- preliminary research that it kind of had a, a slow burn in Japan, but once yeah. it caught, it caught. Yeah, like I think it, 
Yeah, like I remember Yoko Taro was endorsing it. Wow, wow. That see, that's a that's an endorsement that might have started the mm-hmm. if that's the spark, that's a giant spark that could yeah. light that flame. <laughs> I think yeah. I remember I think he even said like, "Oh, I don't care. I don't care about Atlas, but Valnellaware needs to stay alive or something." <laughs> oh, jeez, salt. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, I love Atlas and I love Vanillaware. I, I wish no ill will toward either of them. <laughs> I, mm. I don't think I could be that salty. Oh. I'm a little salty about Atlas, uh, but mm. <laughs> I have my reasons. But no, it's cool. So, g- getting into the story again, what what movies were you guys reminded of? Let's see. Yeah, I mean, ET obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, oh yeah, there's. Oh, oh, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, go. No, you go ahead. I. I, I thought it was well, thing about. Well, it. with the big plot twist, um, very much the Matrix. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> very good one, actually. Uh, because it, it, there are there are a lot of like Western and you know obviously Japanese and and uh, Eastern influences on this. So like it's it's really cool to see those mixed. And I of course it also reminds you just like Godzilla and big kaiju. I mm. kaiju movies I just got into recently and like started watching them because they're on mm. daytime TV all the time. So I like I pick it up and I see, you know, Godzilla is taking on um I, I forget Kong. And I'm like, cool, I'll watch that. So it, it is there is automatically just a a love of big mechs and kaiju that also works well together. Um, I'm a big. What is it? I think I watched um, a SSS um, a tr- a quadruple S Dizanon or something like that. I forget, but it's like Gridman. I, I think it's called Gridman actually. SSS Gridman. Yeah. Yes, SSS Gridman. Yes, and I love you know big you know mechs fighting against these Dimos, and it reminded me a lot of that. And I know that's a play on an older version. I think like Gridman. Um, and, and that, so I think there's that love of that thrown in there that I kind of appreciated even more after watching a show like Gridman and, uh, how much people do love kind of that genre of these big, you know, either big robots or big, whatever it is against these, you know, you know, giant creatures. Um, so that, yeah, that is certainly obviously the, the easy influence here. Um, a more subtle one term Terminator. Oh, yeah. Yes. Androids. Yeah. <laughs> no, also, yes. I don't. There, there's definitely a bit of Evangelion, I would argue, just in terms mm-hmm. of like the some of the trippiness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y- you can't make a giant robot and game without at least having a little bit of Evangelion in there. Um, that that's just Japan's influence in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just all pop culture is just in Japan's just been influ- just been in the shadow of Evangelion. Now, yep. I, you and guys continually have to, because all the movies that uh, that have been coming out too. Now, you you guys will have to name a name a movie because I can't think of a specific movie with this trope, but um, where you have a, a colony flying through space trying to find a new home, and all of the people uh, are in stasis. Yeah, oh. I think would Lost in Space be one? Uh, I was actually thinking Gundam for some reason. Is that? Hmm. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I get that has a colony thing. L- l- listeners, I, if, if I there's a movie that reminds you, let me know. Yeah, um, let us actually, know. I I definitely want to point out some parts of this game are definitely uh I'm not sure some parts of this game are definitely roughing on uh please save my earth the which is like this the shoujo manga from the 80s. Okay, See, I never read that. Yeah. But well, I've only I've only seen the OVA, so ah, uh, you're fine. Okay. Um. So yeah, I I feel like the game wears a lot of its wet Western influence on its sleeve, mm-hmm. and, for sure. Uh, especially 
like Shuamaguchi and all that. But also, I mean, this says remember there is a little arc of like a of an idol too. Oh right, really, it's really cool that that's thrown in there. So yeah, there's oh, right. there's oh, yeah, a that lot. Uh-huh. There's this, so much going. There's this, so much is, going on in this, this game. Is, <laughs> this is like every sci-fi trope ever. Just mm-hmm. mash into yep. one. Well, that messed me up when the idol started talking to him through the TV. Yes, because I had no idea where it was going. I was like, what? Is, what? Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. How does this? How does that part like, fit into well, this? Wait. How does this work? How does this work? Yeah, especially the part when you're when you find out that like, oh, this this the what they what they know as the world just like this like has like just ends of the like like it's yeah like that twist in Namaguchi's story where where you find out that like. Oh, like their world isn't like. Yes. Yeah, it just ends with in like a. He's with um. He's with I'm I'm forgetting her name now, but she's the the gang member. Uh, oh right, Yuki. Yes, because he, he kind of has a thing for her, and they go around yeah. and they start figuring out like, hey, this is this is kind of isolated, and that's when really the yeah, yeah the sort of turn in my head is like, what is actually going on here? I I so the the first thing I think I I figured out was, and I guess we can get to this part now because um, mm-hmm. like obviously the the end of this story is like where the meat and potatoes are. But the one thing that I figured out first for me was they're in different pods. Like they're not, they're not in time periods and time traveling. God. They're yeah, going to the different pods of, God, of kind is, of like. That is such a twist. Like this is sold yep. as a time travel story. And it's like, nope, it's not actually. Exactly. They, they literally tell you in that part, like, yeah, this isn't a time travel story. Gotcha. That is just a farce. Because um, my brain was going crazy trying to figure out, well, they, they fixed something in the past. How is this working? Oh, it wasn't the yep. past. Exactly. <laughs> see, that part was yeah, always like, getting in. Like, when, you, when you'd see those, like, kaiju attack in, the, like, the 1940s in Japan, and it's like, but wait, how is this not influencing the other? Oh, that's why. Yeah, and nobody <laughs> knows it, right? Like, that was something you'd be like, wouldn't somebody, you know, in this time period know that, hey, everything burned down from giant kaiju before. You know, it's just like it. There was so it was so isolated. Each era, um, kind of didn't know what was happening in the next. Especially, you know, the future kind of knew what was happening because obviously, whatever twenty one eighty eight or whatever it was is when this all started, and all of the information about you know the history of these places was from there. And that's obviously where all the corruption of the data started and all this you know crazy <laughs> crazy stuff that's really hard to follow with at times. But yeah, that was that was great and. Um, to, to figure that out was really, that was the first moment where I actually remember figuring out something like, okay, I, I think I understand this part and now maybe where they're trying to go here, even though I never, I didn't know until they basically told me what, what, what it was all about. But that was the first one that I remember figuring. How'd you like the twist that, um, the the reason why there were kaiju attacks is because they programmed a video game into I, the city. Yep. I actually rewatched that part too. So I rewatched some parts like before here, and that was during the Juro Karabe uh, storyline. And um, they they figured he they figured out basically who Juro Izumi was, and he was the I forget um, Shiba Shiba was his name. Uh, Kyuta Shiba was the the friend that was you know he was following around and his best friend who mm-hmm. didn't exist and nobody knew yeah. about. Basically, that was Juro Izumi, and you know that was all part of like he knew that it was a video game trying to kill them, and was trying to you know twist it to you know to give them a fighting chance in this video game. So like that, the video game part completely blew my mind. Um, and I, it's funny because I did remember I I watched that part specifically uh, before we did this, and that part stood out vividly because yeah, when, once that was revealed, and it made it pretty cool because it there was a meta to it, obviously, but mm-hmm. like yeah, they're playing a video game, like oh I'm 
the the video game part of it, the battle system part is like okay yeah we're just playing a video game. <laughs> I mean think think about the implications of that in real life if we all were on a space colony and they made our AI program to keep us happy in our dream state was like Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not think about that. <laughs> I, I'd rather well, not. No. As long as it's peaceful mode. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah. Not getting bored. Can mine be uh, Dragon oh, Quest builders instead? Oh. Well, that'd make me happier. Yeah, there we go. There's, that'd be fun. There's kitties in there too. Or Animal Crossing. Leave me in an Animal Crossing world. Fantastic. <laughs> I can be on an island with my own islanders, and I can kick out whoever I want. I can bring in whoever I want. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh well, Matt's coming on. That might be the sign that we need to move on to the roundtable, unless you guys can think of anything else. No, uh, other than you know, really just going deep into the end of it, but yeah, I I don't want to make the show three hours long to go into the story. Nah. Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's all over the place. But it's yep. it's you would think a story like that would be terrible, but the way they bring it all together is just yep. chef's kiss. You yeah. would think it's way too convoluted, way too many things going on, way too many elements added, and yet it all just works you know and that's yeah. that's chef's kiss great yeah, there's there's something to the like, the way this the story just make just make sure you're never like completely too comfortable yeah mm-hmm. yep absolutely yep it made me i never felt at any time like i knew what was going to happen which was awesome because i felt like for 30 hours i was like what is going on and i wanted to know i wanted to figure it out and so that just that curiosity kept me going yeah pretty much the entire way Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one more thing before we move on to the roundtable is price and availability. Um, it's 20 bucks, and it's for PS4 and Switch. Um, yeah, so you have no excuse. Go out and get this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's still pretty available physically if you're that sort of thing. But if not, I think it goes on sale all the time, too. Um, no, what's expensive is I sort of uh, pre-ordered a- a one-to-one scale fluffy plush from Amazon. And I was like, do I really need to spend $80 on a cat plush? I have so many cat plushes. Wait, it's one-to-one scale. This means this thing is going to get here and it's going to be as big as my actual cats. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, now they got a friend to play with. Yeah. Or destroy like my cat's doing right now. But um, yeah, we're going to get into the round table. I know we already talked about a whole bunch of stuff that we liked, but it'll kind of drill down a little bit more into our personal feelings so stick around we'll be right back Welcome back to RPG Backtrack. Now we get into the round table, our p- personal feelings about the game, our f- favorite stuff, and other fun questions. Um, uh, most obvious question right off the bat, what was your favorite character slash story arc? Oh, what a great question. Um, I think 
different character. I mean, there's so many different flavors of characters, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we like many different flavors of things. You know, I don't just like vanilla ice cream. I like chocolate as well and strawberry and mint chocolate chip. So, like, it's a different, you know, what I'm in the mood for at the time. Yeah. But, uh, I think Natsuno Minami and her story sticks out so much to me because I had so much fun going through hers. And it was it was definitely a lot different. I mean, hers still had the stakes of of what was going on. And, you know, obviously she was with a very important character in BJ and in helping mm-hmm. her get, you know, her Sentinel and all that. But it it was more, definitely more upbeat than the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And it was so needed for a story that felt, you know, like <laughs> it was so, like, you know, very dumpy in terms of, you know, all the, the news items you get and everything you needed to know about the story. Some characters mm-hmm. were just part of that where you got everything yeah. you needed to know about the story and what's going on and dumping all this information on you. And Natsunos to me was just fun to go through. Like where you yeah. had to like, did you have to like sneak by people at some point and do all that? It, it was just, she was a different character than the rest of them. So I think that that difference stood out to me and and made it feel like that that was that was needed because the rest of the story is so information heavy and you know all these big giant twists going on and hers wasn't necessarily that heavy. And I felt like that was so needed and her character was perfect for it too. So that was, hers was so fun to play. So Natsuno Minami very much stands out. You know, I didn't think there was a bad, a bad character arc in this game. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a bad character arc necessarily. um, I mean, I I did find, uh, how do you say that name? Just E.I. Sakigahara? Sakigahara, yeah. I didn't even remember his name because I could not care less about him. Yeah, I found his to be the most boring, and that that's still, you know. Yeah, and and his whole thing with Yori, I could just take or leave that. But, um, I... I think I'm with you, John. Gun to my head, it'd be Natsuno, just because. And the other one was... too, because I, I think the easy one would be like what Jiro Karabe, Fuyusaka. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the the sort of the main characters, but Nenji Ogata. What oh, a right crazy kind of like, and because he's he's not. It's not Nenji. It's um sorry, Takoshi Hiyajima. It was him. Well, because he was he was sort of like that, you know, like the same thing, almost like the the kind of punk back then where like his clothes are and he's the Yakisoba Pond guy. Right. And he goes in the future, all that. He had such a crazy character arc and all the things that happened in that relationship with Okino. Yeah, was certainly. Was one that, that was like a really cool was, story that they like interpersonal story that they had there that wasn't with, I think, the other characters in a way that Hiyajima did with Okino. You know, I, I honestly thought that the characters from the 45 era were going to end up being really boring and the game did a great job of making them interesting yeah yeah plus like i was like definitely into like kijiyama's like whole thing with okinaw yes it was it was great yeah Yeah, like it's just just unabashedly queer it's good yeah um so so is that your favorite ryan yeah i'd say so i mean i did i actually really liked uh, yuki's whole thing if partially we just because I'm definitely a mark for those like uh those mark for those characters that have like those female characters that like that take charge like yeah I'm definitely kind of a mark for those mm-hmm. girl bosses that's what yeah. I like to call but, them yeah. she was just cool she was cool you know that's yeah I think it's like, really easy way I, to put her she was just so cool yeah she's and, just cool and like and you, you well, do not just, sorry go ahead yeah and like her th- yeah, and the way she just like she was just so dedicated to Natsumi, Natsum, Natsum, yep. yeah, Natsumi, yeah, Natsumi, yeah, Natsumi, yeah. I was fucking on the name there. 
And like, and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like their friendship was good. I like that. So, sorry, what I keep trying to say, and accidentally cutting off Ryan, is that you. I feel like in Japanese media, you don't really see the female delinquent a lot. The male delinquent happens a lot, but mm-hmm. the female one, I feel, is rare. And she was more of a delinquent than those. Yeah. Than, oh yeah. Than the delinquents in this one, it was great. Yeah. Um, next question. So you can only keep one aspect: the RTS or the adventure game. Oh. It's got to be, yeah. What do you uh, keep? It has to be the adventure. Uh, and I hate yeah. to say that. Adventure, I got, yeah, it's adventure uh, if I had to choose, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm but, I'm team adventure. I, I'm sad but, to say. <laughs> but but I like the game as a whole anyway, so like, yeah. so this is just like, if I had to choose. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, like, it's like choosing between ice cream or cake. You want both. <laughs> Yeah, and look, not everything can be the main core. I think, you know, the the main thing here is the adventure game. That's yeah. that is what everybody was talking about and yeah. why everybody was curious to play this game because everybody kept saying the story is insane. You have to check out the story. So that to me is the main draw, but I think, you know, again, at least personally for me, pleasantly surprised that there's this pretty good, you know, real-time strategy arcadey looking game beside it that is also really fun to play and very satisfying so like that was that was such a bonus to me and and you know i i think of the fact that it's able to at least do that because i i don't think the battle system was ever meant to be you know the best part of the game it's it's just a way of, of giving you know a, a more rounded story and look it's a video game so they're trying to give you you know great gameplay and you know try and give you something to at least play and you know mess around with skills and this rpg element and so i think the fact that it was just kind of added on kind of like to the side it it just worked you know i i think it, it was so well done and it was it felt like playing again like a little like indie playstation network game that you pick up for like five to ten bucks and you go oh wow this is kind of interesting to play or like a mobile game you'll play on your phone you're like oh you know i could i could kill some time with this uh, the fact that it was able to do that at least for me um certainly helped to break up the story a bit i loved every time I, I went to the battle because I knew I could, I knew I just had it in my back pocket of like, if I'm done with the story, I don't, I, I can't focus anymore. Like I don't want to miss anything. So I can't play. I could just go straight to that and play it and have fun with it. And so it kept me a reason to keep playing the game and getting little story bits within that too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it, it served a great purpose, but it has to be the story, you know, for the, the best part of this game. You know, the, the funny thing is that if you go, if you find old um, RPG casts from the, the era of when I was playing this, I, I did say that I felt like the RTS bit was tacked on and in kind of the bad way. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, no, I think yeah. it was in there in, in a good way. I, mm-hmm. I do wish that it would have been implemented a little bit more into the story. But right. at the same time, I, I see how... How you know having it entirely separate is a good thing. It um, never got in the way of the story, at least to me. You know, right. it just never got in the way. It it was there. To, you know, you had to play it at times, and you know they would make you play. But it never was like, man, I'm going to be stuck. You know, playing the battles for mm-hmm. hours on end before I get the story. It stayed out of the way. It lets you. It gave you cool story elements even within it, and it never distracted from what was the big part of it, obviously being the adventure part. So, yep. you know, I I think it because it wasn't that distracting and it was sort of fun to play and I think had a purpose at least for me and how I played the game uh, they, it all tied together very nicely in that way oh, maybe this question will be a little bit more of a head scratcher um, what would you rather try yakisoba pawn or himburger steak himburger steak 
<laughs> yeah, you said meatloaf. I'm a big meatloaf guy. So the fact that you said hamburger steaks kind of like a meatloaf. See, I, I think can't... I would, even though yakisoba pond, it intrigues me because it's just noodles, it br- noodles and bread, which like, how does that work? <laughs> mm. But I'm, I would be intrigued by uh, hamburger steak. I, you got yeah. me, you got me sold on that one. <laughs> See, uh, and I have to say yakisoba pan because I tried the hamburger steak and it was amazing. Um, but now you're curious. Yeah, now I'm curious what the other one is like. Guys, I mean, it's basically... He was obsessed with it, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was... I, I could... You knew immediately once that start, once that bit kept doing over and over again, I'm like, this is going to be the meme portion of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm in, like, a, a few other discords of, like, other podcasts and stuff. And um, that every time that game gets brought up, it's immediately Yakisoba Pond and just spammed with Yakisoba Pond. So oh. uh, I do like that, that that bit in the game... And again, what you know that everything in this game pretty much hit. There were very few misses, I think, in this game, and that's one of them where they just get this stupid bit about a food item, um, just kind of thrown in there, and every it, it just caught on with a lot of people. So yeah, uh, anytime you can do something yeah, like that, I definitely organic. saw a lot of like hamburger or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yep. When I was gathering the gre- the ingredients for that at the grocery store, I had to do my damnedest to say hamburger and not hamburger. Hamburger. I, I didn't want people looking at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> but but also, you know, I, I like it when they give kind of a stoic character a thing like that because it like I mean, it was a lo- bit of humor in a game that otherwise could have been very dire. Yeah. 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 So our, our last question is always, um, do you guys have associative memories with this game? What you were doing in your life when you played it? Uh, any interesting things happening? That's a good question. I, I I played this. I forget like when exactly um, I played this, but I'm pretty sure it was after I played Tales of Arise. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that was my, I love this game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And so when you get on the down of that, I went through a, a couple of months where like I really didn't play anything or like and played anything memorable. And so for something to stick out like that after again, I'd played like the greatest game in my mind, personally my favorite game of all time in Tales of Arise. Like that's when, you know, I kind of like, wow, this game is great. For this to be able to stand out so much, you know, mm-hmm. after all I can think about is this one game, you know, it it's it's always nice to have that because I can get in a rut where I play a game so good it's like okay well nothing's gonna top that I don't know how I'm gonna be play, be able to play something else and then a game like Thirteen Sentinels comes along and it's completely its own unique thing and um, just kind of makes you like blows your mind all over again and fall in love with something else all over again so that would be my memory of it. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I think I actually got this game. What? I, th- I think I got this game for Christmas 2020 after like so many of my friends were fucking gushing about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was like this was actually a game I was actually was looking forward to play play even before it came out. And then like and then I think I was like actually like I was definitely like playing it continuously for like for like at least a few weeks. And especially when like for the RP Gamer Awards, I, I was actually like trying to see if I could finish it. Which I'm not complaining because I was I was definitely into it. Yeah, I love how you mentioned too that like <laughs> there was also a little bit of like frustration of like you know everybody was fucking recommending it like there mm. there was a lot of like people where you have like just almost bullying you into playing this game and sometimes for me that that has the the opposite effect because I'm like all right well I can't be that I don't want to I don't want to latch on to the next like big thing and like it can't be that good but like you know it was very persistent of people being like this game is everything it's amazing 
And so like, yeah, it, it takes a while to like finally take that plunge into it. But every time somebody does, it's always a very worthwhile plug. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yep. I f- finished it and brought the PlayStation disc up to my husband and it was like, dude, you got to play this. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that, that sat, that, just sat there on the coffee table for like six months and I was cleaning up and I'm like, you ever going to play this? And he's like, no, nah, not really. Oh, okay. And then they announced the Switch version so maybe I'll get him to play this one. There you go. That's a new element to this. Is I think there are going to be plenty that uh, pick it up on the switch version i think have a great experience with it this is such a good handheld game no yeah. why and you bring up you brought up vita in the beginning it would have been awesome to see this on on a vita you know obviously mm-hmm. i don't know how, how differently it would have looked or how it would have worked but i just know as a handheld game this would have been perfect for me and mm-hmm. so i kind of when this was announced for switch I like kind of like hit myself in the forehead. Like you should have just waited. You should have bought the switch version. Yeah. You know, obviously not. Apparently knowing, the switch, ver- the switch port's good. Actually. I was actually, I was worried about that for a little bit. Um, if it would be or not, but I mean, I, I honestly thought that it wasn't going to get a port because the, um, the RTS stuff was going to be a little bit too graphically intensive. Uh, yeah. But, but th- that being said, I, I, I bought this day one, um, because I was really looking forward to it, and I was kind of in a gap between games. And yeah, I it was one of those games that I could not put down. I, I would stay up way too late trying to, you know, just one more story bit. Oh, just yep, one yeah. more kaiju yeah. battle. Um, and my, my favorite memory is just uh, talking about it on Discord with Anna. <laughs> Being yeah, like, well, go, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I, was... I, I mean, just like, well, whose story did you finish? Uh, Eora's. Okay, I can talk. We can talk about that. Well, which, where are you? I'm, I'm like nearly done. It's like, oh god, I, I want to talk about this bit so much. And then she finished it, and I, when she finished it, I was like, so were you getting Matrix vibes? She was like, fuck <laughs> yes, I was getting Matrix vibes. Um, and, and I love a game like that where you can't wait to talk with a friend about it. Yeah, and um, there was a um, now the uh, not there anymore U.S. gamer. I I saw a review and um, the first paragraph was like this was this was almost like settling into you know reading a book. You know, you you just want to sit down. You know, whatever drink you have with it, tuck yourself in. You know, read a good book, and that's what it felt. It felt like almost you know a book club at times, and that's what that again the organic part about it. You know, everybody experiencing the story, everybody wanting to talk about the story with each other, and what mm-hmm. was going on, and what you know, the, all this these things that blew our mind. Um, you know, when when games can pull off that kind of organic or organic kind of growing in community to it, mm-hmm. you know, and that this it did feel like a book club. You know, this this one giant book club that everybody just wanted to be in. I, I mean, it's funny you say that because um, one of my coworkers was asking what kind of podcast that I did. And I said, oh, we, we talk about video games. And I said, you know, it's kind of like a video game book club where we all play the same game and just talk about it and how much we loved it or hated it or what have you. Um, that's, that's the best way to describe my podcast to kind of older folk that don't really understand podcasting or video games. And I'm not trying to disparage them, just a generational gap. <laughs> <laughs> and that that being said, unless anybody has anything else, I think we're ready to bring this book club to a close. Yes, yeah. Um, I think I got all my all my things out. <laughs> Matt, Matt, should we retitle the podcast I, RPG Book Club? <laughs> yeah, that'll uh, change our demographics. I think a little bit. I think yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
people think we'll be ta- we're, we're talking about uh, D&D books and be very disappointed. <laughs> oh, oh I, well, I had an RPG uh, Facebook group for a long time, and I got the amount of people that would slip in there with, uh, despite like all the video games, video game questions and everything, I'd always get like D&D book people in there. Uh, um, we always get uh, cool questions like, why don't you guys cover more tabletop stuff? And it's like, well, we, <laughs> I mean, we had people that have, but they've moved on. And unfortunately, we're adults with a lot of stuff yeah. to do and well, don't like, have time for tabletop stuff. You know what I'm just remembering now about this game? Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking through the trophies and obviously they give you a time of like when you completed things. I finished 13 Sentinels just as I started with RP Gamer. And so oh, I cool. went from 13 Ooh. Sentinels to Battle Brothers. And I went from a game I absolutely <laughs> loved to a game that beat the <laughs> hell out of my soul and hated me. So like, yeah, if you want a vivid memory, I can attach that to it. I love that game. And then I played a game that just so uh yeah hey. I, I played this right before rb game there's some whiplash well yes big time whiplash hey it's yeah. like going it's like going from elden ring to witch in the hundred night uh-huh <laughs> oh wait a minute i i listened to two hours of you praising witch in the hundred night i mean i was well praising i mean it, it, it i was gonna say yeah. it was very specific minor praise yeah don't don't get I, me started on elden ring i'm one of the very few people that didn't like Elden Ring. That just oh, couldn't get into it. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, Don't. I know. I shouldn't not, have said that out are, loud. You're not the only person. Don't worry. You, I know other people who had some issues with that. So uh, you're fine. Yeah. Block out some time two years in the future. We need to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. I'll put it in my calendar. Right. Oh, well, th- thank you, John, for coming on. Um, thank you, Ryan, for braving the c- computer issues. I do appreciate it. Welcome. Um, thank you, Paul, for at least trying. Uh, we was going to have Paul Screlly on, but unfortunately, he caught the flu. Um, uh, hope you feel yeah. better. I real I really wanted you on too because it would have been a fun discussion. But health always comes first. And of course, thank you to my podcast partner in crime, Matt Mason, for uh, braving the almost lack of internet and hurricane ian disaster to come beyond um i was messaging him like dude if you need to take the night off you do it because i don't i want you to be safe and it's like oh dude it's gonna it's gonna go right past me yep no it it was it was like 50 60 miles away and by then it was just tropical storm strength so yeah where, where i am in florida we were well off the beaten path from well, off its beaten path, like literally beaten path. So uh, mm-hmm. it was all right, and we're all all good now. So Had some sun today, so we're good. Our, our next show, our next couple of shows, um, we're going to be getting into some souls for, for souls games yeah. <laughs> for for spooky month. Uh, we we decided this what, December of last year that spooky month is going to be souls month. So. Uh, Demon Souls and Dark Souls next time, and then after that will be Dark Souls two and three, and then who knows? Maybe next year we'll do uh, Bloodborne and Sekiro, even though that's technically not spooky. Um, and maybe round it out with Elden Ring and break the rules. Whew, I got things. That's to a say. lot of rule breaking. You right Elden there. Ring. I got I got <laughs> things to say. We can open twenty twenty four with the you know it's all right. I, I mean the. the <laughs> The yeah. two-year rule is. I don't think you need to like, limit these to like October. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that the two-year rule isn't set in stone per se. It's a, maybe a guideline, you know, like the speed limit. 
would have to be exactly two years. Just close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Report from Montana. No speed limits. <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. And yeah, have a good time. We will see you in two weeks and be safe, be awesome, and see you later. Bye.